I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, I do have Mike back with me. Hello, Mike. Great Scott. Oh, God, you're going with that. This, this is going to be heavy, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, heavy. There must be something wrong with gravity in the future. <laughs> oh, yes, folks, we are talking about... And sadly, the only thing I can think of after you saying that is, he's an L7 weenie, but that is not from Back to the Future. That's from <laughs> Sandlot. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The, we are going to be talking about one of the greatest film trilogies of all time. This is... Let's see if these bastards can do 90. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I love this film series, the Back to the Future trilogy. This is... I hold this up there in my top 10 movies of all time, best movies of all time. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, today is July 3rd, 2015, 2015. We are 30 years in the future from when this film originally released. Oh, man, that's scary when you think about it. And we still don't have the self-drying jacket or the power laces, unless you want to spend like $10,000 to buy them from Nike. Well, yeah, and supposedly Nike has them coming. They've been <laughs> promised to. Yeah. The, 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 the lacing shoes, auto-lacing shoes have been promised to us, but I still have yet to see a fucking flying car or a hoverboard. A true hoverboard. Come on. Yeah, you know, there have been several things where the hoverboard has been... A prop replica. Mattel tried to do the most um, original one to the film, and they, for a hundred and something dollars, they completely failed. It was a crappy piece of pink plastic. Um, it was a waste of a hundred and twenty dollars, honestly. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah. No, <laughs> the sad thing is nothing except maybe like the Pepsi stuff. Nothing from the second film has actually come true. Uh, not necessarily. I would say that the the big screen TVs in the living room, you know, being okay. That the flat screens. That that. But I'm saying, like the the big stuff. Like, okay, sure, TVs. We all know TVs are going to expand in their technology over the years. But like, like I said, the self-lacing shoes, the self-drying jacket, um, like you already said, the flying cars. You know, none of that has happened at this point. And yes, the shark still looks fake. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have to start off. The, the, the first movie was probably the best film from. Well, I, I should say, if I'm going to rate these films because we're talking about the trilogy, mm -hmm. I would have to say Back to the Future was the best one. Mm hmm. Back to the Future 3 was the second best one, and then Back to the Future 2 just kind of 
it kind of sucked in some ways for me. It was still okay. it was still good because it was all it was all the full movie of what I wanted, but I wish that we could have spent a little bit more time in the future. Mm, yeah. So what about you, Mike? What was your, um, how was your <laughs> for me when I was a kid? I was five years old when the first movie came out. I was the second and third was eighty nine and ninety, right? Or eighty eight and eighty nine. Uh, they were back to back. It was eighty nine and ninety, I believe. Um, right. And yeah, eighty nine and ninety. I'm looking at it right here. Duh. Um, I was nine when the second one came out, and ten when the third one came out. So, for me. <laughs> I really hate to do this, and I know people are going to be streaming at their iDevices and Android devices when I say this. <clears throat> Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 are just like a new hope for me. Uh, yeah, I can but, see no, that. No, 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 no. But, but see, here's the thing. With, I can you know, see the if, comparison if on that. You guys go... If you guys go back to episode 100 of Talking About My Generation, you'll hear me saying that, that episode 4, A New Hope, Star Wars... The, the original Star Wars movie, I've said, and I will never not say this, it just ended. There was no, okay, they get medals. What's next? There's nothing that, there's nothing, and I understand the, the reason behind all that, and you guys can go back to that episode and listen to the whole argument we had about that, but, but with this franchise, with 1 and 2, it kind of, like, well, one said to be continued, right? At the end of it? Shark still looks fake. Why do we have to cut these things so damn close? The first movie has uh, to be continued at the end, and the second movie has to be concluded at the end. It gives you that bum, bum, bum kind of thing at both of the end of these films. Yeah. Star Wars, Episode Four, A New Hope, whatever the fuck they're calling it now, does not do that. So with these movies, I was, as a kid, I was way more excited watching the Back to the Future films than I was watching Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I am going to bring to light one thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that Robert Zemeckis said when they had the whole scene at the very end where they, the car lifts off the ground and flies away, and he says, you know, where we're going, we don't need roads. Mm. When they did that, he said, when they filmed that scene, when they had written it in, they had no intention. They didn't know that they were going to go on and do another movie. Mm. They honestly did not. And then they, they got it out into the theaters. They got it to the test groups and the focus groups. And they were kind of like, shit, we need to do something. And they, that was, you know, that, at that point, then they tacked on the to be continued. They're like, mm. yeah, we're coming back with a second one at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it, I mean, you know, as I said, as we said at the beginning of this podcast, it's 30 years to the day of the original film's release, and I just, uh, time flies. Yeah, well, I mean, the nice thing about this film series is that you essentially have it going 30, 30, 30. Mm -hmm. 30 years before 1955, you have 1885. Mm -hmm. 30 years after 19, or 1955, you have 1985. And then 30 years after in 85, you have 2015. So it's all mm. kind of this nice 30-year chunk, which I thought was really well and, put together for it. And if you really think about it, I don't think the filmmakers and the director and all that were thinking about this. They might have been. I'm not sure. 
But if you really think about it, Back to the Future is... Between Back to the Future and Back to the Future 3, the timeline averages out. Yeah, it averages to 30, 30, 30, but it really averages out to 100 years between the first film and the third film. Yeah. Because 1885, 1985. Yep. You know. Yeah, I mean, they they did such a good job with it, though. I, I, the whole series, the thing I loved was that they had such good continuity throughout all of them, especially the first one. The first one had really great continuity, it did. Um, the first one set it up. To where I mean, the first one essentially they you know like you said Zemeckis didn't know if they were gonna do a second one. The first one really, if they didn't have that bum 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 to be continued at the end of it, mm-hmm. they could have stopped right. Like they could have done the final pan out shot where you know like you said Doc says where we're going we don't need roads and the DeLorean flies down turns around and comes back up into the camera's face. They could have ended it right there, and it would have been fine. It, it, oh, yeah. it really is a standalone film. It really, really is. Um, but they, they see when when films are made. This is I've thought about this for a while now. I haven't really said it anywhere else but here. But when films are made, it's more so nowadays, and I'm sure back then. But nowadays, it's more prevalent. It depends on how well or how poorly it does, whether it gets a sequel or not. Back in the 80s, we had what? You know, four Rockies between the 70s and 80s. Yeah. We had we had two and a half, three Rambos. We had two Terminators. We had um, 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 uh, Caddyshacks. We had, uh, you know, we had all these films that you didn't think were... You know, and, and again, it's a cultural thing. Honestly, it really is. It, it's a cultural thing of our times now. Because back then, there was no internet. There was no instant access. There was no instant communicate. I mean, you know, someone can... If he, if he didn't really quit Twitter, someone could really tweet at Joss Whedon and say, Hey, look, do the next whatever for DC or whatever for... You know what I mean? Yeah. And back then we didn't have that, so it was like, oh, well, this is in the newspaper, this is in that, and it just amazes me the technology that we have developed in thirty years. Oh. I mean, sure, sure, we, you know, we already mentioned this. We don't have quite yet. We don't have the power laces, and we don't have the self-drying jacket that much, and we, we have knockoffs of a, of a hoverboard, but we don't really have a really working-made Back to the Future two hoverboard. Um, and speaking of the devil, you know, speaking of, <laughs> have you seen Lexus just announced? <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the videos. Yeah. The hoverboard. And I'm looking at it going, shit, is this fake? Is this another one of the fake bullshit things like what they did with Christopher Lloyd coming out with the hoverboard in L.A.? Is this that or is this are, are we really truly going to get an actual hoverboard? I, I'm praying. I really am. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I, I mean, but the only, honestly, now that I know who it is, and because I, I never really put it put it together before, I guess I should have, but I've known for a while now that, um, shh, don't tell anybody, but 
the brain, Maurice LaMarche, is the Lexus voice guy. <laughs> Just I'll figure that out. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I've known it for a while. I've known it since I interviewed him. But, um, <laughs> but that's really the only time I really pay attention to a Lexus commercial is when I hear his voice. Because I'm like, hey, it's Mo. What's he up to these days? <laughs> You know, what kind of Lexus is he promoting now? <laughs> That's his buddy Rob is still doing the Honda. Oh, I know. I love Mr. Opportunity. But anyway, um, yeah. Um, you know, the Back to the Future, it, it starts off with essentially this kid, Marty, who's going to the Doc's house, and the Doc is this crazy inventor, and... Marty's a wannabe musician who isn't really that great of a musician. I mean... I thought he was okay. I mean, the stuff that he was playing... When I first saw the movie, the stuff that he was playing, I was kind of like, wow, this is obvious. This sounds really heavy. I mean, like, really heavy metal. And I I look back at it now, and I'm going, shit, he was playing Huey Lewis and the News stuff. <laughs> that was heavy for... Okay. <laughs> well, you gotta think... In the 80s, there were a lot of conservative people around. True. And there still are today, but, like, I I kid you not. It was in my, let's see, fourth grade classroom, so that would be 1990. So five years after Back to the Future 1, I wrote in my little school journal that I was going home to talk to a girl and listen to hard rock. And I got detention from the teacher for saying I was going to listen to hard rock. So, you know, <laughs> the times they are changing. But, yeah, I mean, Huey Lewis and the News, that, especially some of those riffs. Oh, I, I God, mean, yes. Hell, even, even Johnny B. Good was kind of heavy for, you know, for the 50s crowd when we eventually got to that. True. You know, that was that and that whole scene, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> but yeah, you know, as you were saying with with Marty just being I got the feeling like Marty was kind of just this big screw around kid that he just kind of skated through life, literally and figuratively, <laughs> yeah, quite literally, uh, you know, he was just kind of getting by and that he was, you know, he was going to go out and make time with Jennifer and that was really his big thing is, hey, I'm going to get laid this weekend at the lake. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he goes back into the past and realizes that shit, everything is different. Everything, you know, his parents. Oh my god. Well, yeah, but see, oh. <laughs> we'll get into his parents in a minute. But oh yeah. See if you if you look at Back to the Future and you look at the whole plot. Marty did the one thing you're not supposed to do with time travel. You're not supposed to change anything. And all three films, the entire franchise, it's really about, other than the whole family story in the first two, and then other than, I'm going to call it a buddy cop story in the third one, but it, it's not a buddy cop story, yeah. but it's that it's that buddy film, because the third movie focuses on Marty and Doc's relationship specifically. It has nothing to do with changing the outcome of Marty's family's lives and whatever else. But yeah. you look at the first two films, the first two films essentially... 
you have very clear lines. Marty and his family are supposed to be the good guys, and Biff and all of his relatives are supposed to be the bad guys. Yep. So when we start out and we see all this stuff, you know, we, you know, we see George and um, Lorraine, and they're all kind, of, just kind of frumpy is the nicest way I can put it. I'm not gonna call Lorraine fat. She was, but I'm not gonna say that actually. Fat. You know, it's, it's okay. They, <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, it's one of those things where they were really frumpy, and I believe Biff was his dad's boss, and. You know, so you had the bad guy winning in the beginning, and then by the end of the film, you had, you basically, and I use this term used loosely, and I can use this term because people have called me this when I was a kid. They basically turned Biff, current uh, 1985 Biff, into a retard. Yeah. By the end of the film, you know, he's like, you know, all kind of, you know... He's all kind of OG Marty, OG Willikers Marty, just kind of, you know, he, he just... into the beef. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so really the first two films are all about good versus evil and what's right and what's not right. And Doc even tells him. And Doc Brown, as eccentric as Doc Brown is, he, he kind of goes into the worst case scenario type of outcomes but he says do not mess with the future marty do not mess with the timeline stop messing and they wrote this movie so well i mean the fact that he goes back in time (laughs) catches his father snooping on you know (laughs) being a peeping tom on his mother and his father falls out of the tree his grandfather hits his father with the car Actually, no. He pushes his father out of the way. He gets hit with the car. So now his mother has... Uh, I know it's Oedipus, but I, I, I don't know. Anyway, oh, yeah. she d- develops a crush on, quote-unquote, Calvin Klein. It's like, oh... That's your name is underwear. <laughs> like, serious. Like, seriously. Between the first film and the third film, they used Calvin Klein... And Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, I know Calvin Klein was a big thing back in the 80s, and I mean, he still is today. And Clint Eastwood somewhat is still of a big thing today. He's more of a legend at this point for what he did in his past than, he, Look, than anything he's doing currently. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, if you have not gone and played it yet, Telltale Games picks up on that with yeah. Back to the Future series. And they, they use Ronald Reagan, I think, or something like that, <laughs> when he goes back to when Doc is a kid. It's, it's absolutely hilarious when they pick it up. Well, isn't Reagan the one of the um, video monitors in the second one, Inside Cafe 80s? Oh, yeah. He's he's one of the... When he does the... Would you, would you like a p- 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 Pepsi? Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> Reagan. And, and, of course, they make jokes about Reagan... You know, and he says, who's the president? Ronald Reagan. The actor? The actor? Yeah. An actor as president? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. If a billionaire can do a bid, you know, if a billionaire television apprentice star can do a bid for presidency, why not an actor? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... The one thing that's always, I mean, I, I know it's clearly stated in the film, but it really has always puzzled me. 
as to why Doc Brown would build the time machine. Not necessarily what he builds it out of, but he does say, you know, to see where we're going and to see where we've been. And uh, But there is, other than that, there really is no clear... I guess that's a clear definition, but there really is no clear definition of why Doc Brown wants to time travel. Yeah, it's just kind of like, well, to do it. That was, yeah. you know, because it's there type of attitude. And it, that was the only thing about the film that kind of fell flat, but it was still, I, I still love this film for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, this film, when you look at it, this was the one that got everybody hooked on the DeLorean. Everybody wanted to have that gullwing door. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew what 88 miles an hour meant, you know, uh, the flux capacitor. Everybody knew the flux capacitor. You see that triangle shaped device and instantly, you know, OK, I'm going to go back in time. Uh, you know, it was little things like that. And this film, the thing about this film is that, yeah, it was kind of a sci fi film. And the fact that you had time travel going on. But it really wasn't even about time travel in a sense. It was more about the relationships that was happening in the past with his parents and Biff and and Doc Brown and kind of going, crap, we got to fix things. You know, that it was that sort of thing, more so than the science of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the science of it all comes into play when he has to, you know, get his father to get off his ass. Yeah. You know, Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Yeah. That was great. I was just like, "Oh my god!" And they, they, okay, and they were going to use. They were actually going to use Pluto at the very beginning. They, they wanted to say that it was. Um, they were going to call the movie uh, "Space Spaceman from Pluto," and they realized they it was a whole bad thing, and they kind of threw it back to Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg called the guy who wanted to change it, and they said, "You didn't really want to call it Spaceman from Pluto. We're going to go with Back to the Future, right?" And like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Back to the Future it is. So they kept it. Well, the funny thing is that they wanted to use Pluto, but Pluto wasn't actually even discovered in 55. So they had no idea about the planet. They couldn't even call it that. Mm. So stupid little things, I know, but... (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, hey. And the funny thing is, is this doesn't have... Well, I'm sure it does over here, but anyway. Um... The crazy thing about Back to the Future, when you really think about it, Doc Brown was a shady character. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Doc Brown. I really do. But if we're really going to sit here and talk about and judge this movie a little bit, he was stealing plutonium from Libyan terrorists. What the hell yeah. is a man of science doing dealing with Libyan terrorists? Damn, it's the Libyans. <laughs> they found me. It's like, seriously, Doc Brown, what are you doing? I built a nuclear reactor with it, or a nuclear, nuclear bomb with it. <laughs> oh, no, you know? <laughs> Doc Brown. Uh, that, you know, th- again, like I said, this movie brought so many things to us in the pop culture continuum. This is... The epitome. People would dress up in that life preserver style jacket, the vest that Marty wore. Mm-hmm. You know, people wanted the DeLorean, like I said. People knew what the flux capacitor was, the 88 miles per hour. And of course, the word gigawatts. 
1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> Nobody can produce that amount of power. Well, it would take a bolt of lightning. Yeah. And he's like, hey, wait a second. I know mm-hmm. lightning's going to strike, and that whole thing was hilarious in that respect. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, the, and I love the old, because you, you talk about the clock tower and the lightning, and I love the old lady in the beginning, save the clock tower, save the clock tower. And then when you get to the past, you have the old guy. <laughs> 30 years ago, that, or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like yeah. so crazy. Um, but yeah, absolutely love that. Oh, well, funny story about that. I went mm-hmm. to Universal Studios. Uh, they used to have a whole thing of like Back to the Future, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. effects thing that you could go in and see. They'd mm-hmm. pull actors. They'd pull people out of the audience to go up and be the actors on stage. You know, they'd have somebody be Marty, and they'd have somebody be Jennifer. Usually, it was like, you know, an eleven or twelve year old kid. They put him in the car. I got picked to be Doc Brown. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm actually standing up there and supposed to be trying to plug these two plugs together before the lightning strikes. And the whole <laughs> thing is hilarious because what happens is that when lightning strikes, it actually lightning strikes, and you don't actually get a chance to put things together. And it flips you around, and then there's like this, there's like this, uh, uh, like dummy that's up there looking all fried and everything because you couldn't plug it together in time. But I was actually strapped up about 15 feet above the ground on this clock tower thing, getting ready and pretending to try and plug it in. The guy is going, "Oh, you've only got like 10 seconds left, five seconds." And I'm looking down. And he goes, "He goes, are you sure you know what you're doing?" I, I give this terrified look, and everybody's just busted up laughing. <laughs> a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You know, this gave this again just because of little things like that gave me a much bigger appreciation for this movie for what it was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I I will say that some of the things going throughout the trilogy because I know we've kind of talked just about the first one here. Yeah. Um. You know, basically, to round out the first one's discussion as far as the overall plot and stuff with the movie, Marty essentially saves the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his old man punches out Biff and everything goes back to normal. And as they go back to the future, quite literally, um, we see that his entire family, the whole dynamic has changed. His father is slimmer. His mother is slimmer. His sister and brother actually aren't um, low-life rejects or, you know, disappointments to their family, Um, you know. And, you know, George is – and the one one thing about the end of this movie that kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, really kind of makes zero sense. You look at George McFly and you look at Biff Tannen. They don't look like – George is this tall, lanky, thin guy, and Biff is this kind of short... I know, I know he's not short, but he looked... The way the camera perceives George versus Biff at the end, it's like Biff is kind of like this short, pudgy guy, and just... It just is so weird. But so, so you know, George comes out and says, Now, uh, Biff, you know, two coats of wax. Oh, yeah, just putting on the second coat now. Now, Biff... Don't, oh no, I was just putting on the first coat now, Mr. Mister McFly. 
Oh, if Biff always pulling stuff on me since high school. Ah. And then we see Marty, and we see his lovely 4x4, I believe it was a Toyota. Yep. Take out your own trash, Akihito. Um, <laughs> today, Oriental yuppies often thank America. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and he's about ready to deck Biff and... He's like, oh, I got to go up the lake and blah, blah, blah. And Jennifer and we see Jennifer and she and Marty are about to go drive off into the sunset. And of course, who comes back but Doc Brown in a hover converted DeLorean. Yep. Uh, with, the, with the triple yeah. sonic booms that come through. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. And apparently there's something wrong with Marty and Jennifer's kids, and they have to go back to the future, because where they're going, they don't need roads. So that's essentially how the first movie ends. The second movie picks up where the first movie left off, and this is, I don't want to talk about, I want to save the cast stuff for a little bit later, but we do have to talk about the cast stuff now for a moment, because between the first film and the second film... There's a casting change. A couple casting changes, actually. Well, there's a major casting change between the first and the second film. There is, um... The major casting change is, in the first film, Jennifer was played by Claudia Wells. In the second and third... I know, right? In the second and third film, while I love this chick, this was just the wrong movie for her. Like, watching 2 and 3 now with the actress that plays Jennifer in 2 and 3, it just, I don't know. I like it, but I still prefer Claudia Wells over Elizabeth Shue. When it comes to the character of Jennifer only, I still have a crush on Elizabeth Shue anyway, regardless. But Hey, I'm going to go you one better. I got (laughs) to meet Claudia Wells last. Oh, you ass. (laughs) (laughs) She was there. She still looks pretty damn good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) So we have, um, so we have, uh, in the first film, we have Claudia Wells as Jennifer. In the second and third film, we have Elizabeth Shue. Now, I like Elizabeth Shue. As an actress, I really do. But I have a hard time believing that the character of Jennifer would be that gullible. Like, what does this even mean, Doc Brown? Does this mean our futures are written and blah, blah, blah? And, you know, I you know I brought this note back for... It just... I think I understand, like, logistically for the film, I think I understand why... They replace Claudia Wells because I don't know if she could pull off double age duty for the second movie since Jennifer had to come up against herself. Right. Whereas they could really dress Elizabeth Shue up in old lady makeup and whatever else and age her a bit. Yeah. Um, still, I, I don't know. So the second film essentially picks up where the first one left off. They go back to the future. And they go to 2015. And there's something wrong with their kids. And Marty McFly Jr., who... I'll give Michael J. Fox this. He really pulled off the multiple character thing. Oh, yeah. I don't (laughs) think he would, but he played it great, just with different roles. Because young Marty, 
Marty Jr. compared to Marty from 85 looked a hell like I don't know if they you know put shortener in his shoes or something but this he didn't look like Michael J. Fox normally looks like as Marty um, even with the rainbow hat and, and a buddy of mine actually has a buddy of mine Optivotomous on YouTube actually has a Back to the Future 2 rainbow Marty McFly <laughs> Jr. hat yeah um so marty mc marty mcfly jr is about to get into some pretty bad situations with griff now griff is the <laughs> grandson of biff yes who the hell ever let biff tannen get one off inside them like, seriously, where is Mrs. Tannen? That's the one thing I want to know out of Back to the Future 2. Who the hell ever slept with Biff? Someone, <laughs> or some, you know, someone saw Biff to, to bully them, I guess. That's the only thing I can. <laughs> um, and Griff is this futuristic kind of guy. You know, it, it, it's Thomas L. F. F. Wilson in this futuristic gear. He's got synapses and brain things and blah 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 and all this and all that and everything else and he's got a few screws loose and a few glitches in his head and whatever else yeah griff is this leader of this gang and they're going to do something to the courthouse and they're going to basically use marty as the fall guy ladies and gentlemen if you are younger than 25 years old and you've seen a certain Kevin Smith movie. Think of um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's really what this is. Is <laughs> This gang is going to frame Marty McFly Jr. Uh, and have him sent to jail. Um, so let's see. Uh, Doc and Marty get to the future. We see the power lace shoes. We see the self-drying jacket. We see the, well, we eventually see the hoverboard boat. That's the first things we see as they get out of the DeLorean. Um, there are some great things that, they, that we do see uh, as we're looking around Hill Valley, like mm -hmm. giant Pontiac sign and the Texaco station, neither of which exist in California anymore. <laughs> Pontiac has died a horrible death, unfortunately. I really had hoped they would come back with a better GPO. Uh, I was mm -hmm. the Firebird come back, and no. Uh, Texaco basically is non-existent in California. I think that there might be like one or two in the high deserts in the middle of nowhere just because they couldn't afford to change out the signs. Yeah. That's about it. it it's Hill Valley. I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. They still kept a lot of the same feel with it, and you still had the courthouse being exactly like it was from back in literally the early 50s, because that was actually uh, a courthouse set that was used in Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. So the Twilight Zone, you see them walking around. So it actually mm -hmm. did exist in 55. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a nice touch when you look around and you see that, you know, things were pretty much the same. The cafe was, you know, the cafe 80s was... In the location where the soda shop was in 55 and, you know, the diner in 85 or whatever it was. Nothing really major changed. It just got newer, which I very nicely done. Yeah. I wonder what they had to pay um, a certain 
King of Pop to uh, do his little cameo. Oh, God. <laughs> we have deep fried sushi. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. They mentioned that in this movie. And not until I would say about the last 15 years or so has that really become a thing. Yep. At least I have, like, there's a lot of things now in 2015 that I notice that I don't remember noticing as a kid. Like, since we're talking about going back to the future and DeLoreans and cars and whatever else, I figure this is a good time to bring up car insurance, ladies and gentlemen. Because I'm sorry, there's no way in hell Geico has been around for 75 years. I remember Geico used to do ads saying they've been around for 75 years. I do not remember Geico. Back in the 80s. I really don't. And I was one of those kids that I was always watching TV. I always saw commercials. I do not remember a Geico commercial in the 80s. Somebody, any of our listeners, if you want to go on YouTube and find me a Geico commercial from the 80s and prove me wrong, please do. Because I think it's just an ad gimmick. (laughs) Uh, But Back to the Future 2... so we've got the whole Griff and, and, um, and, uh, you know, the whole Griff thing, and we've got, um, Marty and Doc running into, um, oh, they have to figure out something to do with, uh, uh, Jennifer, current, 1985 Jennifer. Oh, that was great when they did that. When they... And, and and they have to knock her out. And they oh, oh, it'll be fine, whatever. And come to find out that Doc used just enough on her, but it also hindered him from using a full dose on his on Marty's son, Marty Jr. Yep. So that's why he shows up and ruins everything. And there's a scene in this part where... Marty Senior, uh, not the old, not the twenty, the nineteen eighty-five. Marty um, has to um, borrow a skateboard. <laughs> yeah. No, this is one thing I we, we didn't. I wanted to mention this when we were talking about the first film. I do not remember any kids on my block, myself included, that would ever do what Marty McFly did in Back to the Future One. Which, you know, take the skateboard and try to grab onto the back of a car. Like, I don't remember any of my friends trying to do that. That I, th- it must have been a California thing. Well, yeah, they, they're actually, I did have, uh, when I was in high school, and this is 93, because I had just learned how to drive. My dad was letting me drive this big old Ford F-150 that, that we had. And there were kids mm-hmm. that would come up behind me in the parking lots of the local uh, local grocery stores, and they would hang on to the back and, you know, get towed get towed around on the backs of cars, and, and they would hide so that you couldn't see them in the rearview mirrors or something like that, you know. Just stupid stuff, but kids would do that, you know. Granted, yeah, this was, you know, nine, you know, eight, nine years after the movie had come out, but kids were doing it out here, just not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Marty has to find a skateboard in 2015. Well, 2015, they don't have skateboards. They have hoverboards. Uh-huh. Now, this thing, <laughs> this little girl one that, that that he takes from this little girl, 
has the cheapest piece of kindling attached to it for a like you know you see all those power scooters not power but the um little razor scooters and all that the razor scooters nowadays and all that kind of stuff and those are made out of metal and plastic yeah i like this thing marty just rips the piece of wood off the top of the damn thing it's like nothing you would think in 2015 even though the shark still looks fake you would think that with all this other technology around them, that they could put something metal on that for a handlebar instead of just an old piece of wood. Yep. So Marty rips that off, and he uh, very quickly learns the ins and outs of hoverboarding. Especially that they don't work over water. <laughs> that was a nice oh. touch, I thought. Yeah. What does what is Griff's little lackey call him? He's like... McFly, you... He doesn't call him a poser, but that's what... He calls him something. But anyway, oh, he's like, those those boards don't work on water. Not unless you have power. And then Griff's goes in his back and goes in the back of his car or whatever it is and gets out this giant bulldog-looking hoverboard. And this is one where it's... <laughs> if you really think about it, Back to the Future created the interactive Wii remote and Wii exercise board that the Nintendo Wii has now. Uh Because, you know, Griff gets on his main part and all of his other gang members can hook in or hook on to his and they can kind of all be like one kind of thing even though they're all on individual hoverboards. Um so there, there's that, and, you know, well, we end this... Oh, funny story about that, with, with them hooking in and they them uh, crashing through the glass mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. If you look, you'll see, as they're going through, they have all three of them going to swing in. The girl, uh, the, the woman who is up there on the board actually hits the pillar before they go in. Oh, no. Well, and it was, it was they, they had done this stunt. They would tested it out a couple of times. They were going to have them, all three of them were supposed to go through this glass, and there was mm-hmm. a man on uh, an airbag behind the glass. And what was supposed to happen is they were going to swing on some cranes, and then somebody was going to press a button to release the wires so that they would all go flying through and land on the airbags. Well, mm-hmm. the guy decided instead of going and and actually sitting back outside where he was the first time they tried to do the take, those mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm going to go step around the thing, and I'm actually going to be inside the courthouse so I can see you guys come through the window. Well, that didn't work because he couldn't see him coming through the window since they made it all out of sugar glass, and it was basically, <laughs> everything was kind of opaque. All he could see was shapes coming towards him. Oh, jeez. So he releases it right when he sees them starting to come through, the woman hits the hit the uh, pillar. The stunt woman hit the pillar, and fell. Actually, opened mm. her head open. Was in the hospital. Nearly died oh. from this. Uh, Dang. She walked away from it eventually, but you know she almost died. Was six months in the hospital from from that accident. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. So after this whole thing, you know. 
you know, Marty and Doc get back together, and, you know, Doc is like, I told you not to go anywhere. I'm sorry, Doc, but look, it's changing. That's right. We can go home now, because with this event now, Griff and his gang now go to jail. Your son will never go with them tonight. Blah, 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 blah. They go back to, you know, figure out where, where Jennifer is and whatever else. And I know I'm skipping over a more important part here in a moment. I'll bring that up. But oh, yeah. They find out that Jennifer has been um, detained by the police. And they're going to take her home to Hilldale. Your future home, Hilldale. God. Um, but right before this, Marty goes into a antique store. And he finds the, um, he finds the, uh, what is it, um, uh, sports, Marty, Marty purchases Gray's Sports Almanac, a book detailing the results of major sporting events from 1950 to 2000. Um, so, I mean, we kind of knew in the first film that Marty overall is a good kid, even before he changed you know, his family's future in the first film. When we first meet him in the first film, he's an overall good kid, but he's not about, you know, not taking advantage of certain situations. And he wants to make a little money. <laughs> yep. On these, on, on this stuff, on these, on these sporting events and everything else. And it has every sporting event you can think of. It probably even has, you know, soccer or whatever, you know. You know, FIFA 2015, the most popular sport in the United Kingdom or wherever the hell. Yeah. Um, you know, so Doc finds out about this and he gets really pissed and blah, 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 blah. He's like, I did not invent the time machine, so you could bet on sports, blah, blah, blah. Then that's when they find out about Jennifer. They have to go home to Hilldale. And this is where Doc's uh, wild and crazy predictions about the end of the world come in. He's like... You know, if she meets her future self, she could very well destroy the entire space-time continuum. Or she could just pass out. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they go to Hilldale. Jennifer meets old Jennifer. They both pass out. Young Jennifer eventually hides in the closet. And then we get to see a whole slew of Michael J. Fox characters. Oh, God, yes. This is, uh, you know, a lot of people, and me included, praise Eddie Murphy for his um, Nutty Professor characters. Michael J. Fox did it first. I <laughs> know. That's, I know. Well, the other one I was going to praise him for was the white guy in Coming to America in the Barbershop. Because <laughs> yep. that was Eddie Murphy. Um, but yeah, that's my point is Michael J. Fox did it first because he played his own daughter. And that was creepy I, as all hell. Just that was disturbing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think if you only knew what Alex P. Keaton does in his spare time. <laughs> you know, there are certain people who there there are certain people who we've seen that you know, with makeup and the proper lighting, look good as a woman. Uh, Bruce Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was all light and Photoshop and all that sort of shit. This was, this <laughs> yes, it was Hollywood, but you knew that it was Fox. Yeah. No two ways about it. 
and he made ugly woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. He really, really did. And you know, the f- you know, you bring up the Caitlyn Jenner thing, and and the funny thing is, I was in the <laughs> can't believe I'm talking about this, but I was in the grocery store the other day, and I was in the line checking out, and I just happened to look over and see some magazine. I don't even remember what it was, but it was a picture of. Chris Jenner is in the foreground. He, she is, uh, Caitlin is in the background and she just like that original Vanity Fair thing. She looked great. Yeah. On that cover on this cover. I don't know if they proportioned the image wrong or proportioned her wrong or what the hell, but, and I, and I know she's tall. I mean, she's six, five or however tall she's supposed to be. But she just looked really, really out of place. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Michael J. Fox's woman, no. Just no. Yeah. Um, so we meet the... Uh, he was better with the red mustache, but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh. Well, at least he was a male. True, then. true. And, and folks, don't... <laughs> don't chastise me. I'm not judging people who want to become women or vice versa. I'm not judging oh. the transgendered at all. I'm just saying you can't <laughs> anyway. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. We, we all know. We all know Michael and... J. Fox makes a much better man than a woman. That's all there is to it. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we meet the older McFlies and we meet, um, a character by the name of Needles. And Needles is essentially the future version of Biff. And Needles uh, gives Marty McFly Sr. the old adage of, oh, what are you, chicken? And, you know, this eventually gets old Marty fired. And Jennifer, our Jennifer, finds the note because apparently... In the future, there's a fax machine in every room of your house. Yes. Somehow, email never, the concept of email never actually came about, even though email was around before 89 when the film was made. Mm-hmm. But faxes were going to take over. Uh-huh. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's kind of like Dr. Doofenshmirtz's fear of the vending machine apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so young Jennifer finds the facts and she kind of folds it up, puts it in her pocket, and <clears throat> we eventually um, get her out of there. They we find uh, throughout this whole scene, we find that um, that old Biff, our Biff, nineteen eighty five Biff, who kind of looks all right for an old guy. For grandpa. Yeah. Um, he finds the DeLorean, uses it, goes back in time. Uh, he then comes back and gives Griff the. Oh no! He goes back in time to give himself the almanac. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. He goes back in time, gives himself the almanac, and this then creates an alternate 1985 to the 1985 we now know. So that's where the movie goes. We go to the alternate 1985, and apparently Lions Estates, where Marty lives in 1985, isn't exactly 
the safest neighborhood anymore <laughs> because yeah. it essentially turned into South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will say <laughs> that uh, Marty's mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we're, we're getting to that. Yeah. But, um, oh, this is a funny thing for me because when I moved, it was, I had moved, we, we were living in a duplex uh, apartment uh, in Kingston, Massachusetts at the time, because I was born and raised in Massachusetts. But anyway, um, you know, so we, uh, my uncles and grandfather were building us a house down the street. When we, like, when we moved, um, where we were living in the, in the duplex, all of our neighbors, because we kind of lived on, it was actually called Main Street, but... Um, where we lived, it was like four to ten houses on the side that we lived on, and then the rest was all kind of commercial. Like you had a Cumberland Farms, you had, um, oh god, what was another restaurant called? There's a restaurant beaten across. Anyway, it was this big forked intersection in Kingston, Massachusetts. So all of our neighbors were white. When we moved to the new house majority of our neighbors were white except and this was something new to me because i had not I, as a kid we weren't i wasn't very cultured apparently so we moved into this new house and in the neighborhood there was one black family out of everybody else <laughs> so when i saw this movie and i'm like oh as a kid i'm like oh that's a that's an african-american family that's hey are they the cosby's you know, this is the first thing. This is the first. Well, I mean, well, yeah, know, this is the only the I, I only can't. black family I knew at the time was the Cosbys. So I was the same way. I was raised in white. You know, <laughs> you know. School, it was West Hills High School in Santee, but everybody called it White Hills because that was what you had. Yeah, um, but I just find it really strange. And the only reason why I'm bringing this all up, folks, is I find it really strange and interesting that. In the alternate 1985, Marty's house now is owned by by African Americans. Um, talk about an alternate reality. Um, um, so they have, you know, they explain this whole thing of, oh, well, this alternate 1985 and blah 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 blah. We have to find a way to get back to the real 1985, and in doing this, they have to go back to 1955 because that's when Biff. Old Biff went to give young younger him his younger self the book, so they do this whole thing. We see Marty's mom and yeah, yowza, she um the boob job we got yeah. Obviously, it wasn't a real boob job. She had push. She was wearing a push up or something like that, but something uh, yeah. Um. So we see that we see old Biff and we see the almanac and everything else and. When Biff takes over, it's not a good thing, folks. <laughs> it's just not a good thing. Um, so we go back to 1955, and this is what will lead us into the third movie. Because going back to 1955, Marty has to then reenact, but differently, and not interfere with what he's already doing from the original jaunt. Mm-hmm. So you got two Martys, two Docs, in 1955. And they can't interact with each other at all. And 
this plays havoc on the poor kids that are uh, Biff's uh, lackeys. Yeah. How does he keep Gigi's clothes so fast? <laughs> now, I, I got to be honest. This this probably was the reason why I didn't care for Back to the Future 2 all that much. Because I felt like, okay, they told us the story. We saw 1955 already. Why are we going back? I, I understand that we had to go back to get the Sports Almanac back and all that. But it seemed to me like they could have focused more on the future. And I guess that that was just me bitching about it. Right. You know, it felt like it felt like to me, oh, 15 minutes spent in, you know, in 2015. OK, we're done with 2015. Now we're going to go to 85. Oh, look, it's all horrid as hell. Now let's go back to 55 and spend the rest of the time in there. It just it felt poorly put together in my mind. Uh, but I mean, that was what I hated. I mean, we do get through it all. We do see Marty end up getting the book back. And the way that he gets it back with the hoverboard in the tunnel. <laughs> that was, come on. As much as you don't like the 1955 scene and its logistics, which I understand, you got to admit, the hoverboard scene in the tunnel was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's like flapping his wings, trying to move fast. You know, slapping his arms, trying to move faster to get away from the car. And, of course, what happens to the car? What does Biff hit for, you know, what, the third time? I get it. <laughs> Manure! I ate manure. And he just had he just had it all cleaned out after Marty had had uh, had the truck backed up, dumped into his car in in uh, the original Back to the Future. Yeah. Just oh god. Yeah. Um. Now this came out November twenty second, eighty nine. Now I'm wondering. Oh no! It was a full year earlier. Oh, no wonder I'm having such um, reflections of a certain other movie in um, in Zemeckis' career, because um, one year earlier, he directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, huh. the reason, now, the reason why I bring Roger Rabbit up is because in the tunnel scene in Back to the Future 2, all as I was waiting for as I rewatched this movie was... A few of those old bullets to come whizzing by. Which way did you go? Which way did you go? That's all I was waiting for. I, I was waiting for that or for them to bust out at the end into Toontown. That was it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, so Back to the Future 2, it ends on what might be one of the best cliffhangers of the 80s, honestly. I, you know, I would put this up there because everybody says back. Everybody says Empire Strikes Back is the best cliffhanger. I, I would have to disagree with that. I would think Back to the Future 2's cliffhanger is probably better. You knew it was coming. It kind of sucked that they left it on a cliffhanger and then they give you little bits at the end of the movie as to what's coming for the third film. Mm -hmm. That kind of sucked. Well, see, here's the thing with Empire. The Empire Strikes Back is such a downer movie. It ends on such a down ending. That's all life is, a series of down endings. All Jedi had was a bunch of fucking Muppets. Um, but Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. Every, every time people bring up Empire, I have to quote Dante from Clerks. But anyway, um, <laughs> the thing with Empire is that there's no, sh like, okay, there's shock. In the revelation that, you know, Luke, I am your father. 
you know. Right. But they're really, like, the shock here, I mean, you literally see Doc Brown, you know, faint because Marty came back. Yep. You know what I mean? That's why I, I will forever say that Back to the Future 2 has one of the best cliffhangers of the 80s when it comes to leaving you on the edge of your seat wanting more. Um, did the original cut of the film, before it went through its various DVD editions, do we know if the original cut of the film had those scenes? Yes, like, and, and I know it, this for a fact because the very first time I saw Back to the Future 2 was at the drive-in. And mm-hmm. we were walking because they, they cut away and we see the credits start to roll. And my mm-hmm. dad says, come on, let's go to the bathroom. And we walk to the bathroom. And as we're walking to the bathroom, they come back with the, cl- with the clips and saying, coming next year. And I was mm-hmm. like, son of a bitch, we're missing the movie. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> so yeah, it um, was it was in the original the original cut. Okay. I remember seeing that, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was so pissed off, at my dad, for that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Dad, I don't have to go pee yet. I don't have to go pee. Come on, we're going in now." Is our <laughs> before the crowd gets into the bathroom. Yep. Um. All right. So we left on a cliffhanger with Back to the Future Two. Back to the Future Three came out. In 1990, May 25th, 1990. May the future be with you. Sorry, it doesn't work as good. Um, (laughs) uh, And Back to the Future 3 essentially has nothing to do with Marty and... Well, it has nothing to do with Marty and Biff's families directly. Right. The first two movies, as I've already stated in this podcast... If you boil it down to the main plots of the main characters, it's either Marty's on Marty and his family are on top and are the winners, or it's Biff and his whole family are on top and are the winners and Marty whatever. This one is focused on Marty and Doc's relationship and their friendship and you know about saving each other and all this and all that and everything else. And this is more of I I don't want to say this could be a standalone because I don't think it could. But the overall plot is not so far out there of whether it could happen or not, but it's so such a departure from what we've already seen in the first two films. And that's what I kind of like about it, that it's not just... An, like... I'm glad they didn't do three times going back to 1955 where you'd have three different versions of Marty and three different versions of that would have been too much. Yeah. Um, So I'm very happy that they've got, you know, this, this old West thing that, you know, and that that's what I wanted from the first two films. Honestly, I wanted to know more about Doc Brown and what makes him tick. That's what they gave us in the third movie. They finally did. And it worked so well. I mean, this film, Watching this one here, this was what kind of made me go, okay, I had a really hard time between whether three or one was better because they were so close to being good films for me. One will always be the best in my mind. I I will never not say that, but three would definitely be second because it's a overall character developed story between the friendship of Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Yeah. 
And then you add in the love story for Doc, because let's face it, Doc needed something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we had you, gotta cut, you gotta cut the old guy. Yeah, you gotta throw the old guy a bone for a little while. Oh, uh, the, the, the way that they find her, and then, of course, you know, the whole joke of, oh, yeah, you know, we called it. The the ravine was was named after some teacher that died there in in you know the eight, late eighteen hundreds, you know it was all a big joke for us kids. Mm-hmm. Oh look, you know here is the teacher that was supposed to die. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, it's kind of really morbid. Yeah, but well, eh. and even before that, they they said it was called Shonash Ravine, where some Indian perished off the. It's like. This this section of Hill Valley should never exist because at least somebody's gonna die. Yep. Going off of this ravine, it's like I understand it's a plot point and that's all well and good, and I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, you know, that if you don't want to be, you know, have a ravine named after you, then don't have a ravine in your town. Well, we'll we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah. That. But, um. Because I'm sorry, that, that, that ending just... <laughs> I, I love the end of the movie in general, but just how they end with the reveal. Yeah. Oh, that just... No. Uh, and it took me years to notice that. I really never <laughs> noticed. Yeah. It took me... I, honestly, I think it honestly took me until... I hate to say this, but... Ten years ago... With the 2005 DVD release. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, So, with the third movie, um, we basically pick up right where the the second one left off. Um, We find out that Doc had been trapped in 1885. Marty with the 1955 Doc uses information at Doc's 1885 letter to locate the... and repair the DeLorean and... You know, we think, oh, well, it's it's going to be fine. He's going to go back to it. But then he finds a tombstone. And it's Dr. Emmett L. Brown's tombstone. Yep. Shot in the back over a matter of $80. kind of future do you call that? <laughs> <laughs> so Marty agrees to go back and save the doc. And when Marty gets there, he meets... Um, Seamus and Maggie McFly. <laughs> they were great just seeing them. Oh, man needs a hat. <laughs> I you should have a hat. Can't be out here in the sun without a hat. I, I think the, my, my favorite thing out of that is, yeah, you better get used to those bars, kid. <laughs> um. oh. But... What kind of strange coincidence is this that you have Michael J. Fox and, oh God, I almost said Lorraine Bracco, but I know that's not right, um, Leah Thompson <laughs> being Seamus and Maggie? Because that was Leah Thompson, right? Yes, that was a little creepy, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so by the time... Uh, uh, Marty gets into town. Uh, he meets, you know, he meets up with all these town folk. He, I think, he gets into a thing with Biff, and you know, now they're gonna have a hang in, and 
they they strung Marty up and some stranger with a shotgun saves Marty and yep basically comes up and says Marty I told you not to come back here well doc I, I have to save you it's a long story what fool dressed you up in those clothes you did doc <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> he tells him to put on the boots, of course. Yeah. Like, what are them funky moccasins? You know, what, what are the yeah. moccasins there saying, yay? <laughs> what is that? What engine word? <laughs> oh. I, you know, just, I love this. Th- that and then the bar when he walks in and, you know, he's like, uh, give me some water. We ain't got water in here. Uh,. Oh, and did you recognize in the bar one of the guys who was sitting there and calling him, talking about being yellow? You know who that was? No, off the top of my head. Pat Buttram. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, re- I recognize the voice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and for those who don't recognize the voice, Pat Buttram, was, he did quite a few cartoons, and he always had that high-pitched voice like that. He was... The bullet. Yeah, he was the bullet in in in. Uh, and Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> Which way did he go? <laughs> he went that way. <laughs> dum dums. Dum dums. <laughs> um. <clears throat> oh, but yeah, it, that you know the the it, everything we see leading up to that that them trying to figure out how they're going to get the car up to speed because. As they're going through, Marty tears the fuel line. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, that's fine. You know, we'll just, you know, Doc will be able to, we got plenty of plutonium. That That's all we need. <laughs> Marty, the engine ran on regular gas. Um, and there won't be another one around here for, what, 50 years. <laughs> Damn. You know, and, and all the stuff they try, that, that rot gut that they try, and they yeah. burn out the fuel injection system god <laughs> i you know, uh, it just it was a lot of the stuff that was in this was was really good well put together for a western the way that they did it mm-hmm. absolutely um you know we get a couple of good scenes of them riding horses one where they have to save uh clara clayton who was the teacher that should have gone over the ravine and died and you know it's mary steenberg and you can't kill mary steenberg in the first five minutes of your movie no um <laughs> i don't know if she still is because i'm not looking it up but i believe at one point or another she was married to sam malone for a while i think she was i i don't remember if she still is yeah i don't know um <clears throat> so you have her and she and Doc kind of fall in love with each other and over Jules Verne, of all things. <laughs> um, which later their kids would be named Jules and Verne. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> Just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's worse. Naming your kid those names or Topanga. <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, so they meet up with each other. They fall in love, and 
Doc still can't tell her, you know, where he's from, what, you know, what he's doing there, blah, blah, blah. But he gives her little hints every now and then where he talks about telescopes and he's going to fix her telescope. Yeah, I'm sure that's all he wants to do. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, so we've got that. The, uh, for me, the best part was knowing that they were going to have this showdown with Marty and uh, Buford Tannen in the middle of town. And they go through that, and you see them, and he's like, I'm going to do my kill on After Breakfast. you know. And he's like, oh, I'm going to be gone by that time. Buford will be standing out there looking like a fool. And, you know, sure enough, the, the train is late. Mm-hmm. The showdown happens, and Marty pulls, because of what he had seen in Back to the Future 2, this is kind of important in that there was a scene in there when he went back to 1985, and he walks mm-hmm. in on Biff. Biff is watching A Fistful of Dollars. Right. And in A Fistful of Dollars, you see Clint Eastwood, who's got, he, he takes and he's got like this metal plate across his chest. And he's basically made like a bulletproof vest to stop, mm-hmm. the, stop the bullets. He does the same thing here with Biff. And he tells Biff, he goes, I'm not going to, he goes, I'm not going to take you down. He goes, I'm not going to shoot you. I refuse to duel. No. Mm-hmm. So Biff goes, okay, blam, shoots him, knocks him on his back. And then Marty gets up and he's like, what? Wait, wait, what? Marty knocks him out, you know, hits him into the tombstone, breaks the tombstone. And he ends up plopping into that pile of manure, which just it's faded. That's all there is to it for the tannins. They fall into a pile of shit at every turn. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, with that, you know, we see them. We see them going through, and they, they steal the locomotive. They get on the tracks. They start hauling ass down. Doc feeds those logs in so that they can hit 88 miles an hour. Green, yellow, red. When the red log hits, you better be ready to go. Yeah. Because this thing is going to blow up. And that was kind of the thing to me was I was watching it, and I thought to myself, okay, you know, we see... Clara show up and she discovers she realizes that Doc's doing this thing and that she loves Doc and you know they come together and you see Doc and, and I'm thinking okay he's gonna get into the car and him and Marty and Clara are all gonna go back to the future in the DeLorean mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that all the way up until Marty passes him the hoverboard and then you see them like fly off and I'm like but but Doc stays what? Doc mm-hmm. stays there? No. And that just depressed the hell out of me because I kept thinking, oh, man, Doc got stuck in the past. Yeah, he got his love, but we don't get to see what happens to him. Well, we do, but yeah. that'll come. Well, we get, Marty, we get Marty to get shot back into the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes through all that. He, he ends up there with... Uh, with the DeLorean and rolls on to Clint Eastwood Bridge. Well, it's actually Eastwood Ravine. That's right. Is what it's it, it is what it's called. Um, so he rolls on to Eastwood Ravine, and he essentially crosses the road. When I mean the road, I mean the actual road where you know a railroad crossing is. So he actually crosses over the road the other side of the tracks 
and he gets out of the DeLorean and whatever else and well actually no he crosses over and then he sees an oncoming train he's like oh shit yep he's gonna get the hell out of there so he sees all that gets out of there the train comes along and destroys the DeLorean now this affected me as a kid when it actually happened more uh it affected me more as a kid when it actually happened when the train hit the car. But now as an adult, what affects me more emotionally with this film is when he goes and gets Jennifer and brings her back to the crash site. Yes. And he sees the time circuits and he says, those famous, la- you know, the famous last words. Well, doc is destroyed just like you wanted. And that just, that will tear me up every time. Seeing that. And then the plate out of time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Just him picking that up, and I'm like, "There is no possible way that we're we're gonna see Doc ever again because the time machine's gone." Marty, it runs on steam. <laughs> that that was it was a nice ending. We see the train come in, and you know the time warp in and all that, and we see Clara and we see Doc, and then we see their kids. Mm-hmm. It was a nice ending, especially when we find out that Marty, because in 2015, he'd had an accident that wrecked his hand, so it stopped his guitar playing, kind of mm-hmm. ruined his life. And we see him going to go do the ac- to go do the race, the drag race, mm-hmm. you know, before he goes to the site. Yeah. He misses the, he throws it in reverse instead, misses the car, doesn't get into the car accident. And then they see Doc, and she pulls Jennifer pulls out the fax and says, "Well, what does this mean? The fax is no longer says you're fired." And he goes, "It means that you can make the future is what you make it, basically." Yeah. You know, and I, I I apologize if I'm ruining that line and mangling the line. No, no, it's it, you know he basically says you know, you know she asks him what does that mean? Does that you know yeah what you know what's in our future? And he says. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. That's you know. So so you know. Go out and make it a good one. Both of you. Yeah. You know. You know, and then of course we see the train lift off and fly off into the future mm-hmm. or future or past or whatever. We don't know. Well, <laughs> Marty asks him. So where are you going, Doc? You going back to the future? No, I've already been there. And it do- it doesn't really say. I mean, and honestly, I don't really think we need to know we just need the only thing we as the audience and the only thing that marty and jennifer needed to know is that doc was okay yeah that you know that would have really sucked the life out of this trilogy if we never knew what happened to doc brown the fact we know he and clara are together they're married they have kids blah 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 you know that's what we really needed to know and it ended on such a good note. Yeah. Um, overall, I think, you know, 30 years later, the trilogy still holds up. Oh, God. I, I would not... I would probably not show this to any school-age children, though, because they ain't going to get it. Like, kids nowadays, they don't appreciate crap. 
<laughs> most of them. Most yeah, of them. Yeah, most don't. of them. You're right. Uh, <laughs> like I, um, my niece would, my niece would love this film. She's. Yeah. I don't know if her dad's shown it to her, her but she loves Star Wars. So I can't imagine why she wouldn't like, you know. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, like we used to every now and then, you know, the teachers would surprise us at school with with movies. Yeah. And stuff like that. If we had a free period or something. I think one of the movies I saw in school was The Lion King when it eventually hit VHS at the time. So it was 95, maybe 96. I don't know. Um but I'm saying, like, you know, that kind of thing. Not necessarily parents don't show this to your kids. Teachers, there's no way in hell any any, any of your school-age children are going to get yeah. <laughs> back to the future. Um, they'd, be, they'd be better off showing them Forrest Gump or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, it's kind of like those two kids in, in Back to the Future 2. We didn't even bring this up, but it's kind of like those two kids in Back to the Future 2 when Marty goes up in, in Cafe 80s to the lone gunman. Oh, arcade God, thing. Yes. Huh, what? God, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, he goes up there and, you know, he starts shooting and he's like, you know, you know, the kids are like, hey, you got to use your hand. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Can I, I weep. I weep for the future of our species. <laughs> Do you think that connect was supposed to be the next big thing for us standing there and dancing around? I can't really. still play with controllers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I I mean, overall, this franchise is amazing. And between all three films, I really don't think we can do the cast justice. <laughs> There's so many awesome people um, in these movies. Well, I mean, we got it. You know, obviously, we had Michael J. Fox, Christopher yeah. Floyd, uh, mm-hmm. Thomas F. Wilson, Leah Thompson. <laughs> One of my favorite characters, just because not so much for for the Back to the Future role, although he was great in here. James Tolkien as uh, Strickland. Oh, Strickland! Yeah, my favorite role that he ever did was in Top Gun when he's sitting there yelling at Maverick. The three movies I know him from. Well, actually, well, let's see, three, four. The five movies I know him from: (laughs) Top Gun. Back to the Future franchise and Masters of the Fucking Universe. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, there were some things that just... Yeah. uh, But, yeah, I mean, you know, you had that... The one that was... The one that I did think was interesting in the very first one was Crispin Glover. He, He was just out there. Even afterwards, yeah. he showed up on he showed up on uh, David Letterman's show, and he kind of showed up as a character, and everybody's kind of like, "Dude, you're fucking weird," mm-hmm. you know. Well, he kind of proved that, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, they kind of he kind of proved that, like, I don't know, back in two thousand or two thousand, you know, two thousand. He proved that he proved how much of a weirdo he can be in a role he did. In a certain um, film in 2000, because he was the creepy villain in the Charlie's Angels movie. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that was just really weird. Mm-hmm. Really, really weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I like this for everything that it was, for all the stuff that we saw, the, some of the, um, 
the cameos that we got, like I said, Pat Buttram, uh, ZZ Top showed up as the rock band. They were the band that was playing the music at uh, the festival. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, just little oh, things. My God. I never knew this. I knew I recognized the name, but I never knew this at all. Oh, so we have Marty's older brother, Dave. Okay. Marty's older, older brother, Dave McFly, um, is played by Jimmy fucking Olsen. Mark oh, McClure. Jesus, you just From now realized Super... that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man. Oh, boy. Um, so let's see here. Uh, we've got uh, Skin uh, Needles. Was... Oh, man. Needles was played by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> you know who one of the video game kids was in Back to the Future 2? No. It was the oh. Hobbit, Elijah oh. Wood. God. If you go back and watch it, you'll see him. I just, I just realized that I'm like, oh shit, that was him. Mm-hmm. Good God. Um, Jesus, I'm looking here. Neil Ross threw in his voice. Harry, uh, Harry Carey Jr. was in the. Uh, he was one of the old guys sitting in the, in the, uh, saloon in '85 and Back to the Future Three. Uh, there were just so many good lines in this film, in in this series of films. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like when he when he does the whole shooting gallery thing out there, and he goes, and the guy says, "Where'd you learn to shoot like that?" Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> Going up on on you know Wild West gunmen. Yeah. Oh. I still think one of my favorite lines out of the two of the two of my most favorite lines out of the, out of the whole franchise. Let's see if these bastards can do ninety. <laughs> yep. When he's racing the Libyans, and he uses this multiple times. Marty does, but why do we have to cut these things so damn close? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to know something interesting about that whole eighty that whole ninety thing, the eighty-eight miles an hour? Mm-hmm. They actually had to make. The, the a special speedometer that went up past 85 because at the time <laughs> they had governors where cars were only allowed to say show a display on their mm-hmm. speedometers up to 85. That's the main reason why they stuck that digital uh, speedometer on the dashboard so you could see him actually reach 88 miles an hour. Right. Because they couldn't have it in the in the DeLorean itself. So it was kind of one of those one of those stupid things. Afterwards, they broke that. You know, they changed that law. But, you know, governors at the time, fastest car could go was 85 miles an hour. And that piece of shit DeLorean, with how heavy it was, you were lucky to get it up to 85 miles an hour going downhill with the stiff wind at your back. Yeah. Oh. I, 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 overall, I love this franchise. Like, I, like we've kind of already said, for me, it would be... Number one, number three, and then number two for ratings as far as what's best, better. Yeah, and, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much the same. I, it's just, it's really hard for me between one and three because one because it set the story up for everything. Three just because it was so well put together and everything you see from the start of Hill Valley and you see everybody kind of coming together and all the little jokes that were tied in throughout the series, and then the finality of the series of being. 
this is it, we're not doing anything more. And I'm glad they stopped it there. They didn't try to do a fourth one. It's so funny how all of the core actors, Leah Thompson, Michael J. Fox, Thomas Elf Wilson, well, those three specifically, how they've each gone on past this and done so many different, like Michael J. Fox returned to television and Sin City, uh, not Sin City, I'm sorry, Spin. Yes. Spin City, thank you. Uh, you know, Leah Thompson, she played. Well, she was Caroline in the City and, for a while. Yeah, she was Caroline in the City, but you want to look at her as um, Lorraine McFly. For the most part, you want to look at her as that character. She played such a departure from that in a Law and Order Special Victims Unit episode. Oh my god! Like, I have never seen this lady act the way this character she portrayed this character. It was like night and day. Oh my god! It was so good. Um, and Thomas F. Wilson, he's he's an interesting character. He's more of a comedian at this point. Yeah, he, um, he is hilarious. He is hilarious. He's very. I I love listening to his stuff. But the funny thing is, is that out of everybody, he is the one person that always states to his fans, "Do not ask me anything about Back to the Future." Because, and I think the reason why he does this, it isn't to be discourteous to us, discourteous to us fans, or not to be respectful to us as fans. He doesn't want. He didn't want to be typecast as Biff. Even though, let's be honest, he really is. Yeah, and I think that he's had a couple of a couple of things where he's made references because he's done so many different voiceovers uh, throughout the series, throughout the years. Uh, you know, he's done uh, additional voices in Rio, in SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, Epic. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just listing a couple of the ones that I know. Back to the Barnyard. Mm-hmm. You know, all these little spots. And I think that in one of them, like, I, I want to say Spongebob, that they had him make, they made a couple of Back to the Future references. And he went ahead and did it just because it was him doing it, but it was a joke. It was this total mm-hmm. in joke. So it's like, okay, that's fine. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, no. I mean, it wasn't that much of a big deal. Um but I'm just looking at his filmography on Wikipedia, and I mean, <laughs> two of the coolest role, two of the coolest voices he ever did, and so strange that he did these. Batman the Animated Series. He was Tony Zuko, the man who killed Dick Grayson's parents, and he also voiced John Grayson, Dick Grayson's father, in that same episode, Robin's Reckoning, oh, yeah. parts one and part two. He was Matt Bluestone on Gargoyles. He was in Duckman as the Park Ranger Smith. Uh, you know, you already mentioned the SpongeBob thing. Um, uh, he was on Boston Public for an episode back in 2003. More recently, uh, he la- two years ago he was in he was on Mad. Um, let's see. He was on an episode of Melissa and Joey, Franklin and Bash, when that show was still going. Uh, he was the head marauder on Adventure Time as a voice. Um, I mean, the man has done a lot, but really, what I know him from 
is at this point is Back to the Future and his uh, comedy. Yeah, uh, his his stand up comedy is is uh, his comedy albums. Um, the man is funny. I'll give him that. Yeah, he is very funny. And, you know, Michael J. Fox, Michael J. Fox ended up kind of being like Robin Williams when it came to television. Michael J. Fox started on, let's face it, he started on television. Yeah. He, you know, he was the 80s. He was, you know, Alex P. Keaton. He was Family Ties. You know, then he had Back to the Future. Then, you know, I already mentioned Spin City. And the reason why I say that he and Robin Williams are so similar is because they both tried to come back to television and neither one of their shows actually took off all that well. They did, I think Fox did the Michael J. Fox show. Uh, and, well, they had that, just, and then they had something about, um, they had him for something else with like uh, something about an incurable optimist or something like that. It was supposed to end up being a series and they killed it after like two episodes. Yeah. Um, and with Robin Williams, he came back to television, obviously, after Mork and Mindy and everything else. But, you know, in the last, I don't know, two, three, four years before the man passed away, he had come back to television in The Crazy Ones. And that didn't go over too well. I think the best episode that show had is when Pam Dauber came back on and we had a Mork and Mindy reunion. Oh, God. Yeah. It's kind of hard talking about Robin now that he's not here anymore. But, yeah. I mean, it just... And for Michael, the reason why he stopped, obviously, most everyone already knows this, but it's... Uh, it's Parkinson's. Um, you know, he had, he had Parkinson's disease. And, you know, it just... And if you ever see him now, I mean, he, he's showing up on a couple of things where you see him. And you can tell that the Parkinson's is getting worse because his head starts, you know, he starts doing that whole bob with his head. and Yeah. It, it's kind of sad to see it. But that said, the man has done quite a bit of voice acting. I think we'll still hear him around. He's going to kind of stay off screen, but we'll see yeah. him for things like Stuart Little. Uh, you know, yeah. he's going to be around. I, I don't imagine him yeah. vanishing completely. If they ever, and I know they'll never do this, but if they ever bring a Back to the Future animated series back, let's hope he does it this time. Oh, um, yes. And, you know, I, I don't want us to delve too far into the Back to the Future animated series. It only ran for, I think, what, one or two seasons. Yeah. Um, it was it was supposed to be kind of educational and teach kids more about science and history. It. And it, I don't. I, I I know people are going to be screaming at their eye devices and Android devices when I say this, but Back to the Future the animated series was meant to be some a cross between Pee Wee's Playhouse and Beekman's World. Yeah. The reason why the reason why I say that is because you had Doc Brown coming in teaching us a lesson, then they would cut to a cartoon. You would go back to Doc Brown. And Christ, it's almost like Fraggle Rock with um, what's his name and Sprocket the dog. Oh God, yeah. Going back and forth between all that, but um, yeah. Uh, and Christopher Lloyd, we got to spend a few minutes on him because oh. oh my God, this man, folks. 
shows up in the strangest uh. places. And not even as Doc Brown. He just, I mean, wow. You can tell the man has talent because, you know, he started off being a bum on Taxi. That's the first thing I remember him doing. Obviously, he's done things before that. But that was my big throw to him, you know, where I recognized him from. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he starts, you see him coming back for Back to the Future as Doc Brown. Uh, you know, we see him, God, I'm trying to think of all the stuff he's done. Obviously, the one that I, the one that so many people of our generation will remember him for is Uncle Fester in The, the Adams Family. Yep. You know. He was one of another 30th anniversary that we'll be doing because I will be making Doug get off his ass and actually go get his DVD of this movie. He was Professor Plum in 1985's Clue. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. He, I think the one as a kid that really, really shocked me, like the Adams Family, that was fun. I mean, that was, that was kind of cool. The two that really shocked me were, even though I still love this movie, but um, uh, Judge Doom in yes. Roger Rabbit. Yes, that was that was a little crazy. And then the other one was, um, I thought it was yeah ninety three, Switchblade Sam, the town robber from Dennis the Fucking Menace in nineteen ninety three. You know, I never saw that, so I wouldn't have made. You never saw the Dennis the Menace movie. I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I saw uh, Christopher Lloyd in that film. So it was, you know, I mean, I, I knew that you had Walter Matthau in it and you had some little blonde kid, but that was about it, unfortunately. Yeah, he was um, Switchblade Sam, the um, the uh, the town robber. Uh, and he, like in that movie, he looks nothing like we've ever seen him before. Um, in recent years, uh, Christopher Lloyd, as you said, has come back to the Back to the Future thing. He was in the game episodes. Um, most recently, uh, he, let's see, he, uh, he's going to be in Lego Dimensions as Dr. Emmett Brown. Yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm, I'm being a dork for that. I, um, <laughs> I've got deserved. <laughs> yeah. He... <laughs> Uh, 2014, 2015, he's on the TV series called Granite Flats. He was, uh, Reverend Jim Ignatowski, uh, in an episode of The Simpsons, My Fair Lady. Um, coming up in 2015, going into 2016, uh, Time in the Fourth Dimension, it says he's announced here. He is currently filming Lower Bay. He's supposed to be in a King's Quest video game which is in post-production. So he's got a bunch of stuff coming up. But, uh, I mean, the man just can do no wrong. You know, it's like he shows up in just the weirdest spots, and you think, oh, he's going to be horrible in this. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he came back and he reprised his role in the god-awful Seth MacFarlane film A Million Ways to Die in the West. Uh, yeah. You know, he showed up in uh, Piranha 3DD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just it, it's kind of like some of the stuff that I see him doing 
<laughs> it's kind of like he's doing it just because he's got to pay the bills, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, he's doing some stuff that's actually really pretty good. He had one, and I, God help me, I, I don't remember which one it was. One of the, I think it was like one of the Santa Buddies movies or something like that, <laughs> where yeah. he shows up as this dog catcher, and he kind of supposed to be playing this bad guy, and then he, you know, he ends up having a soft-hearted feel, and you see him kind of melt and. Oh, I'm a good guy now. I love dogs and all that. Oh, God. The damn dog bit me, son. Bit me right in the ass. Yeah. Oh, God. That movie is 20 years old this year. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Back to the Future, overall, there are three films that I can watch all the time, for the most part, if I chose to. Um... Like we've already said, the first the first film for me will always be the best. Um, just because of the way the plot yeah. ends. Uh, you know, the way it starts, the way it finishes, and everything else in the middle. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about for Back to the Future? I think we're pretty much good. I mean, it, it's like we said, this is probably one of the best series ever. You know, it, it's, it is within my top ten movies of all time. The, the the trilogy, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to put the trilogy all as one yeah. in my top ten. Not, not you know, Back to the Future and Back to the Future 1, 2, right, you know, right. additional spots. Because it was kind of this whole big conglomerate story. Yeah. You know, but that that is up there in my top ten films. Just like the original Indiana Jones trilogy is. Just like the Star Wars trilogy is. Those were incredible films and this holds one of those places there yeah and I will say this and I know I will get heat for it I don't care what anybody says I don't care if you make the argument of space and time travel I don't give a shit the DeLorean would kick the hell out of the damn police box (laughs) oh except for the problems that it had with you know the fuel line going out but then again, the police box always had the brakes on, and that's why it made that funky noise. Podcast for a different day. <laughs> yeah. I am so not a Whovian at all. I just don't. I don't dislike the franchise. I just don't care. <laughs> I'm there sick of people like, talking about it. There are people like that. That's fine. I, you know. I've, well, I, you know, a couple years ago, uh, when it first, when the, t- the current series, I guess, started 2005, um, when it finally hit Netflix, you know, people kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. Oh, go check it out. Go check it out. So I watched one episode, two episodes per doctor from whatever seasons were on there. And there were just some episodes where I just could. It's Doctor Who is too British for me. That, it's ju- I'm not a British TV guy. I'm honest all. with you right there. That's that's fine. It, it is not for... <laughs> I know that I'm willing to accept that. And I'm willing to give you, you know, give you all the leeway possible for it. That I mean, you know, like the closest to British television I come is Basil and faulty towers. That's the closest I come to British television. Uh, See, I think there's one other one you're leaving out. I think you're leaving out danger mouse. Okay. Well, (laughs) live live action television. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. You know what I mean. I gotta give you a little shit for that. Cartoons don't count when I' talking about live action TV. Yeah. So, 
All right, you can, uh, I guess, go ahead and close it out. All right, folks. Well, I do want to thank everybody for listening to us discuss all of this with Back to the Future. We've been going on for, good God, over an hour and a half on this. And please, I hope you still have listened through this all. Go out, give us some ratings out on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. If you want, go visit our webpage at mygenerationpodcast.com. Uh, write us at G, at on our Gmail account at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us if you love us. Tell us if you hate us. We don't care. I'm still waiting for a one-star review because I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see who's going to be bad enough to give us that. And I'm going to read it on air. <laughs> uh, you know, go ahead and visit us on Facebook as well. If you like us, I'll put you in for a contest. I've got some stuff coming up for Comic-Con. I'm going to get some freebies and I'm going to have some stuff to give away. So if you do that, I'll pull some names from there for everybody. Uh, that's about it. I, I, you know, thank you all for listening. Uh, Mike, have you got anything you want to plug for GCRN? Just head over to geekcastradio.com. Check out all the content we have over there. Um, you know, we got Showtime Synergy going, which is our gem show. We've got the pull bag going, which has got a whole bunch of new and different comic review content over there. Uh, just head over to the website and check everything out. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And, Mike, I know you're editing this, so you're going to put something good here at the end. I'm hoping for, you know, maybe maybe some Huey Lewis. How's that? <laughs> uh, who knows? <laughs> you never know. All right. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit.